before we dive into our passage today, or open your Bibles to Matthew 28, it's where we're going to be today. But before we do, I want to remind you of next week. Next week is a very special day in the life of our church because uh, one of my good friends, Anthony Scott, will be with us. He's the pastor at First Baptist North Tulsa. And, and I believe that, that, that our relationship that we are forming, that we have formed and we are beginning with, with this sister church in our community, First Baptist North Tulsa, is going to be critical for us in our walk with the Lord. It's going to be critical for us as we serve the Lord in the coming days, especially as, as this um, racial tension continues in our, in our nation and in our world. And for us as a church, we've got to be a, a part of that, um, that dialogue, a part of the solutions when it comes to the racial discussion in our world. And next week, Anthony Scott is going to be with us. He is, he is the pastor at First Baptist North Tulsa, a prominent uh, African-American church in the city of Tulsa. And, and I'm thankful for this uh, beginning that is going to happen next week. And this is especially important as we dive into the series. We're in this series on the church. And we're calling it to gather in a changing world. And it's important for us as believers to know why we gather you know, I would, I would say to, to all of us, we're, uh, it's, a, it's a strange day as, as people look into the future as what the church is going to look like with this online experience that is developing all over really the world when it comes to church. But, but I think we've got to make sure that we don't miss the calling to gather, that we are called to gather together. Now, you know, have you ever had one of those moments in your life when God got your attention. I'm talking undividedly. That, that, that he so captivated you that, that you were in tune. You were, you were like focused and, and, and you were hanging on to every word from the Lord. I don't know if you've had one of those moments. But Matthew 28, that's a moment in the life of the disciples that Jesus had their attention. I mean, every word that was coming out of his mouth, they were saying, Jesus, we got it, and we're listening, and we're, we're tuned in, and we're not, we're not letting your words just kind of bounce off. We're not halfway paying attention. Robin and I were talking the other day, just in our, time, our quiet time with the Lord, um, we, were, we find that sometimes when we're meeting in my, in, with the Lord, that our mind goes to things like grocery list or, or things like that, and, or things just from the day, I wonder what I have to do today. And, and, and there are times that all of us, if you walk with the Lord and spend time with the Lord, sometimes our mind wanders. But in Matthew 28, none of the disciples' minds were wondering. Jesus had their attention. Now, why is this a fact? Why do I believe that, that the disciples were completely tuned in in Matthew 28? Well, the reason I believe that is because they were talking to the resurrected Jesus. Okay, now, if... If you went to someone's funeral and, and you saw them dead, and, and then a few days later they call you and say, hey, uh, I got something to tell you. Can you show up? And uh, you would change your schedule. You would go, okay, I'll swing by. I'm, I'm available. I can, I'll spend time with you. That, that's what was going on in Matthew 28. This was this this unbelievable moment because when you think about the disciples they were the, the 11 they were there 
the moment they were asleep in the garden. Remember that moment? They're asleep. I mean, and, and, the, and these guards show up, and it was like startling. And I don't know if you've ever been woken up in a startling way. Well, they were startled when they woke up, and Peter is like flipping out, and they were there. They saw the moment when Peter grabs his sword and swings it as these guards are coming around to arrest Jesus. And remember, Malchus is there. G- Peter missed Malchus, cut his ear off, and they had that moment. And then all of a sudden, all the, um, 10 of them ran for their lives. They took off. They bolted. John stayed, and, but, but the others, they, they bailed. And then they saw Jesus die. I mean, think about that. As they watched Jesus die, their dreams were shattered. I mean, here they were. Their plans uh, were, were crushed. They, these, these ideas that they thought were going to come to pass. I mean, this Jesus that they watched and they walked with, they saw do miracle after miracle, and yet he died. And, and I can imagine the devastation that they were facing. And, and, and then all of a sudden, remember right after that, they were in the upper room. They were, they were struggling. They were worried. The, the door was locked, and Jesus comes through the locked door. Like, what? And by, by Matthew 28, uh, Jesus had, had shown up a few times. And, and so look at, look at verse, verse 16. It, look at the passage, Matthew 28, verse 16. And it says this, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. So Jesus said, hey, go to the mountain. And when they saw him, verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him. No kidding. No kidding they would worship him. No, no kidding that they were going to be like, you, you are God. But look at this next phrase that Matthew articulates, but some doubted. Now, now, I can imagine that. I, can, now I don't know how you feel about that, but when I read that, I go, okay, I can relate to that because there, haven't we all had these moments where God has worked so clearly right in front of our face that we almost can't believe that it's God? It's, it's so obvious that the Lord has been moving, that God has answered prayer, that God has gotten our attention, that God has moved, but yet it's so unbelievable that we go, oh my goodness, this is really coming to pass. This is really God. They, some doubted, it said. You know, but then Jesus, in Matthew 28, he's about to take a huge step with this church. I mean, the, Jesus knows this, that, that, that I'm building my church. He had said this in Matthew 16, that I'm gonna build my church, but, but Jesus can look into the future. He knows what he was planning to do. He knows that he was about to prepare the disciples to go all over the world, this group of normal men, that he was about to send them all over the world. And Jesus is preparing them for this divine work called the church. And this is why we've got to understand the church. We've got to understand what Jesus is doing among us. That, that this, what is happening right here, and I'll try to say this over and over again, that, that this is not a work of man. This is a work of God. That the church is not a business. The church is, is not an organization. The church is the body of Christ called to a, to a world, to a time to every time in the history of the world, to every place in the, in the, in the, on the globe, that God has mobilized us and has sent us and, and is sending us. And it's amazing reality. And, and look at verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth 
has been given to me, Jesus said. And, and they're going, okay, I get it. I believe that all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to you because one of the things that, that people have understood throughout history, especially people in, a, in an agrarian society, a, 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 a farming society, a farmer knows what dead looks like, doesn't he? Uh, if, if you grew up on a farm, you know when something dies. If you grew up in the city, you, know, you may not really know that. But if you grew up on a farm, you're going to see death all the time. If you have cattle, if you have animals, if, you have, uh, um, if you're working on a farm, things die. And you understand what death looks like. And so these disciples, they, this was an agrarian culture. They understood death. They realized Jesus had died, and now he had risen from the dead. So when Jesus said, hey, fellas, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, they were like, I, I get it. I believe you. Because nobody can conquer death. And, and Jesus then is preparing the disciples to be the church. And folks, we're continuing that right now. Now, point number one, if you're following in your notes today, is this, that the church moves ordinary people from spectators to participants in the work of God. Now, I want you to know this, that, the, that you and I are not spectators of the work of God. The disciples weren't spectators of the work of God. They were participants in the work of God. And here's something that I want us to recognize. This is the call of the church that we are to be participants in the work of God in the world. And this is why we've got to recognize why we gather, why we come together. When I think about the church, what are we, what are we doing? He says, look, I've, all authority has been given to you, given to me. Uh, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And when I think about the church, what are we to do? The church all through history is continuously living sent. I want you to see this. That we as the church, we are living sent by God. Sent into the world. Sent with a purpose. And every believer has a purpose. And we are sent by God. God is the one that started this church 74 years ago. And he has sent us ever since. And we are, we are to live sent in this world. Go and therefore, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Not only are we, are we living sent to share the gospel, and this is why we've got to be a group of people that are not silent about our faith. This is why we have a platform. If, if you have been around us this year, we've understood that all of us have this platform that God has given us, and it's a platform to share the gospel with others. And I would say so many in the church, we are, we are silent about our faith, and we must not be that way. We are called, we are sent to a world to, to make disciples. That begins with evangelism, sharing the gospel with others. You know, this week, I, I sat at a double-shot coffee shop in Tulsa with this young man who is, who is preparing to be a journeyman and go, wants to go to Spain to share the gospel. I was like, man, it was so cool to sit with him, to hear his passion, his call to the nations. And, and the reality is all of us have this call to the nations, a call to share the gospel. The church is continuously living sin. The church is also continuously growing up. 
We are growing up in our faith. This is why we gather. We are to gather to, like the memory verse, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. I want to challenge you to memorize that verse. We are called to grow up spiritually. And, and this is a lifelong call. When I think about our church and, our, and, our, and me as, and us as believers, both individually and corporately, we, when, when you think about it, sanctification really is our story, isn't it? What is sanctification? It's this idea of, of growing up in our faith and, and growing to understand the Lord. And, and I'll never forget this lesson that I learned from, from John Shelton. In my office just this week, I, I put John, a whole pile of John Shelton's sermons on my shelf in my office. And let me tell you who John Shelton is. It's my wife's grandfather. And, and, and when, 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 I, when, my, when I was growing up, my, my grandparents died when I was young. I really didn't have a relationship with my grandparents. And, 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 and they were, I was pretty, I'm, I'm the youngest in my family, and they had all passed away by the time I had real memories of them. But John Shelton, when I married into Robin's family, became a grandfather to me. And you know, one, one, one year, they stayed with us at Christmas time. John Shelton, when he, he got saved at, at about 20, and immediately God called him to preach, and so he began preparing to preach. And, and, uh, and, and so as he, at 20 years of age, he started hitchhiking to churches, and he would preach at those churches. He was never late. Every time he'd hitchhike to a church, he always made it on time. And, and it was so fascinating to get to rub shoulders with him from the age of 20, and he died at 85. And, um, and, and he walked with the Lord that long. And when he, one Christmas, he was in his 80s. He comes to my house. And he stays for a week. And every morning, John Shelton would take a Bible that was bigger than this. And, and he would walk into my kitchen and he would open it up and he'd start reading his Bible every morning. And I said to John, John, how many times have you read that? What are you reading? He's, I don't know. He told me the passage. I don't remember what it was. I go, how many times have you read that passage? He goes, I don't know, a lot. And I go, and he looked at me and said, Chris, God's word has something for me every day. I still got to grow in my walk with the Lord. And I looked at him and thought, that's how I want to live. He was a pastor. I, he probably preached that passage more times than he could count. But yet every morning he looks into God's word and says, God, you have something for me. See, sanctification is our story. God is growing us, and as long as we have breath, we've got room to grow in our understanding of the Lord and our walk with the Lord. And, and, and when we put God's word into practice and we understand his word, we do things like, I'm going to take the log out of my own eye before I, I look at the speck in my brother's eye. And so, though often we look at this racism discussion, for example, and think, man, I'm not racist. As a believer, because sanctification is our story, we first of all look at our own lives and evaluate our own hearts before we judge others. This is what it means to grow in our walk with the Lord. We become more like Christ daily. We live in this world as salt and light. We, we prove day by day as we trust the Lord that God is faithful. You see, discipleship, we make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And when you think about the church, not only are we living sent, not only are we growing up, but the church is continually reproducing. That folks, this is why we've got to, we've got to share the gospel. You know, it's, we've, got to, we've got to share the hope that we have. 
we got to speak up about Jesus. We can't be silent about Christ. And, and I'm, I'm burdened at the fact that so many of us are silent. And we've got to speak up. And, 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 and it comes down to disobedience. Let me ask you a question. Right here in Matthew 28, it says we're to baptize. You know that on September 27th, we're going to have a baptism service? On September 27th at 4 o'clock, we're going to have a baptism service at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And, and if you haven't been baptized, let me tell you something. It is time to be obedient to the Lord in baptism. And at 4 o'clock on September 27th, you have an opportunity. We're going to do a baptism service that afternoon. And, and, and we're going to, then we're going to video it and show it to, to, to all of our campuses. And I don't want you to miss out on that. So write that date down, September 27th. This is what God has called us to do, to reproduce, to baptize. In verse 20, look at verse 20. This is on my heart this morning. Not only were they are to baptize, but teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, Jesus says. Jesus said to his disciples, I, uh, uh, I want you to go. I want you to make disciples of all nations, teaching, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Do you know when I think about why we gather as a church? Why we gather together? Why it's important for us to, to, to not forsake meeting together is because we need to know what God has said. God has called us to teach. God has called us to, to understand his word. So when you think about point two today, discovering and understanding God's word, what does it do? What does it, do? it prepares God's people for every challenge and every season of life. And, by, and when you understand and when you discover the word of God, you are prepared for every season for every circumstance. And when I think about this crazy year of 2020, We've been praying about how do, we, how do we finish the year? How do we end 2020? How do you wrap up a year like this? A year like we've never seen. But the reality is, because God's word is faithful and God is true and God's spirit is working, his word prepares us for every season, for every circumstance in life. And he's done this all through history. Look at verse 20. Jesus said to his disciples, as he had their attention, I want you to teach them to, to observe all that I've commanded you. Look at that. All that I've commanded you. Have you thought about what that looks like, what that is? Have you, have you considered what God did after that? That, that the Old Testament was seen as, as, as authoritative as the word of God, but then you recognize what Jesus did in the lives of these disciples. He moved them to write down his word, and that's what we have. That's why we have Matthew. That's why we have Mark and Luke and John and the, and the, the, the letters of Paul and, and all these things. When it comes to the Bible that we hold in our hand, we believe this book is, is divinely inspired as, and is God's revelation of himself to man. When you think about it, we've got to understand the Bible is revelation. You know, you know that, right? This is revelation of God to us. And this is important to understand when you think about this book that, that these are the direct commands of God to his people. This is why we've got to come together and I, I, would, I would fail as a pastor if I didn't gather together and, 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 and be faithful to teach the word of God, 
not just my opinion, not just philosophical ramblings, or not just my best advice for life right now. No, we've got to gather around the Word of God. And my prayer is that if you ever leave this church, uh, that, that you make sure the church that you go to is grounded in the Word of God. You know, this is why we study it, we memorize it, we meditate on it, we put it into practice. Because in his word, Jesus told his disciples when he had their attention, I want you to teach them everything I've commanded you. They're like, okay. So then they, they move, they move forward, they wrote things down, they give, God inspired them, God led them. And when you think about the Bible, here's how we understand it, that the Bible has God as its author. We know that, Right? The Bible has God as its author, salvation at its end, and truth without any error for its content. And I want you to understand something that's very important. It's what we believe as a church, that all Scripture is totally true and trustworthy. The Bible reveals principles. The principles revealed here is it shows us how God judges us and, and how, how, how it, when, when you think about the Word of God, it's the it's one of those bonds that we have with believers all through history. God's word is powerful. It's revelation. It's, it's, and we've got to see this, that, that God's word is, is revelation of God himself. This is why I'll say it, we, we say this often, and, and, and I want us to understand, I, want, I think it's important that we as a church understand this, that, that God's word is authoritative for our beliefs and our practices. And here's what I mean by that. Whenever I discover that I'm holding a belief that is contrary to the word of God, I'm compelled to change my belief and line up with scripture. Whenever I discover a practice in my life that is contrary to the word of God, we are compelled to change our practices to line up with scripture. Folks, we gotta recognize the Bible is revelation of God. It's critical for us to understand this. The Bible's powerful. This is another thing I want us to see. The Bible's powerful. That these, what we hold in our hand, are the very words of God. Don't you see this? That God has given us his word. It's, it's all we need to know God. This is the way we can know who God is and what he's like. And, and I want you to understand we, the, the, the importance of when we come together, we're not just checking off a box saying, I studied the Bible today. No, there's this divine interaction that's going on right now as the king of all kings, the Lord of all Lord is speaking and guiding and the Holy Spirit is moving among us. And this is how God uses his word. And we see in Proverbs 30, 5 and 6 that God's word is flawless. We see in Psalms 19, 7 that his word is perfect. We see in Psalm 19, 10 that it's better than gold. We see in Hebrews 4, 12 that it's living and active. The Bible is powerful. The Bible is authoritative. I want you to look at Hebrews 4, 12. I've got it on the screen today. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And I want you to see that God's word is authoritative for us. And this is why I want to ask you to, to consider how is God's, how are you allowing God's word to impact your life, to impact your thoughts, 
to change your way of thinking, to change your practices, to, because we've got to recognize that the Spirit of God is at work among us. When you think about the Bible, we see it as powerful, authoritative. We see the Bible is the, is the perfect guide for your life. Don't you know this? This is what, what the scripture says, that, that it's, the, it's the ultimate authority for our beliefs and our practices. It's, the Bible is the inspired word of God. One of the most famous verses, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped and complete for every good work. Folks, I want us to see something powerful today. That God's word is a gift to you and to me. And I can imagine that moment that the disciples were, were captivated by the words of Jesus. And he said to them, fellas, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And I want you to go. I want you to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And folks, look how he ends this. And I'm gonna be with you always, even to the end of the world. Think about that. This is one of those moments in, that we recognize that the church is going to be present and relevant and, and playing a role even to the end of the world. Folks, my prayer is that we recognize the power of the word of God. We sang this song just a few minutes ago. Joe's saying, I surrender all. And I want to ask you a question on this Labor Day. You, you know why I love preaching on Labor Day? You know why I love it? You know why I love preaching on this holiday? Uh, I've got to preach on this holiday for the rest of my life, not to make amends, okay? Not to make amends for this moment that I had in my life. But because I walk into Labor Day with an attitude of expectation every year. Years ago, it's Labor Day. And I was, a, I was a youth minister at Council Road Baptist Church. And, and I was in the hallway cruising to church. Matt Britt, this doctor in our church, walks by me and he goes, Hey man, glad you're here. I go, yeah, I know, it's Labor Day. Nobody's coming to church today. It's going to be low. And so, yeah, I'm glad I'm here. And as I walked to church, I, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. We passed, and I walked to church. And in my heart, the Lord began to convict me. Going, Chris, what are you walking into worship expecting to happen today? And I was like, Lord, not much. And God began to speak to me and began to move me going, Lord, Chris, let me tell you something. Every time my word is preached, every time God, my peop, God's people turn to my word, guess what? I move. 
And I'll tell you, I began to feel this deep sense of conviction of my own going through the motions with the church. And when I look at us and, and our calling to gather, one of the things that we must never do is go through the motions of church, of religion, and recognize that God has given us a commission to go to the world and to reproduce and to, and to communicate this incredible truth that Jesus has come. He's risen from the dead. You know, this morning, our staff is grieving today. Chad Balthrop, yesterday, his dad passed away. Four o'clock in the afternoon. Chad's in, o in Moore, in Oklahoma City, with his family. One o'clock today, they're meeting with the funeral home. And you know what? It's a weird seat. When you're, when you're used to being the pastor in that scene, and now you are, you're allowing somebody to minister to you. But I'll tell you, in the midst of this grief, guess what? There is hope. There is power. There is promise in, in the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And so we recognize this, this beautiful truth that we've sung today that, that Lord, Lord, Jesus, this is all about you. This is, our call is to follow you. Then we, we sang that incredible truth saying, Lord, I surrender all to you. And I want to stand in front of you on this Labor Day and ask you, have you come to that place in your life where you said, Lord, I surrender to you? Let me tell you where life begins. It's in that moment. And then the reason we gather as a church is because God has invited us to this adventure, this gospel adventure that, that says, look, understand the last part of that, that, that challenge, that commission. And Jesus says, lo, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. So as we face a coronavirus, guess what? God is with us. As we face challenges in our life, don't forget that God is with us. You know, my wife and I were praying for something that was a burden for us. And as we're praying, I, I just thought, Lord, I'm not going to act like an atheist right now. Act like that you don't exist. You exist, and you're at work. So I will not live as if you don't see us, you don't walk with us. And this is the mind-blowing reality of this great commission that Jesus says, I will be with you always. And not only will I be with you always, I'll be with you till the very end of the age. So this is why we gather. This is why when I think about our church, our calling, to walk together, to come together, to serve together. This is why when it comes to the word of God, I pray that you read it. Read it. Let's know it. I pray that you memorize it. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, memorize the word of God. And more important, most importantly, when you start reading it, when you start memorizing it, guess what happens? You start living it. 
And folks, don't miss this, this invitation that we have as the church to live out the word of God on a daily basis. Man, Jesus rose from the dead. He showed up. As I, as I was sitting here, I just wrote this down, and I'm just going to read it because I wrote it just sitting right there in worship today. Jesus rose from the dead. He showed up. He saved us. He called us and gave us his word. He preserved his word all through history. And, and, and right now, he's fulfilling his word right in front of our eyes. Folks, God is at work in your life. God's at work in our church. And I'll tell you, I want to be a pastor that moves us. And I want to be a part of a church that pushes me to, to recognize that life is short. And we're not going to waste one moment that God has given us. So my prayer for you today, you refocus, read the word of God. Memorize his word and let's live it. Folks, let's live it. That's what the church, that's why the church gathers. We push one another to live it. And we're gonna have an invitation. And it's my prayer that, that we see the commission that the church has been given. And that when we look at our calling in this time, in this place, that we live it out. Are you walking with the Lord right now? Do you, do you know the Lord right now? Oh, I wish I could just, if you don't know the Lord, I wish I could just take my heart and just put it in you for a second. To know the power, know the strength, know the peace that God gives, even in the midst of suffering and difficulty and challenge. Are you living today as a, as a practical atheist because you're so overwhelmed at your problems thinking, man, God, I don't know where you are when, all the, when he's right in front of you the whole time. He's given you the gift of his word right in front of you. He's given you community and church and people. Oh, we got to come together. We got to gather together. So would you respond, not to me, but to the Lord today? Would you today recommit to the Lord? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn to read your word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to memorize this passage that's in front of me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live it. I'm going to ask you to bow your head right where you are. Lord Jesus, oh, in this moment, we need you. Father, there's got to be folks online that are, that are struggling with the, the problems in front of their face. May, may you remind them, Lord, that you're, you're with them. You, you're, you're with us. Oh, there's got to be people in this room that they, they've forgotten that you're with them. Father, in this moment, would you just remind us today that you're with us to the very end. And Lord, if you're with us, who can be against us? Oh, Father, 
May we be the church today. May we understand your teaching throughout our lives. May you grow us. May you move us even now. Oh, Lord, we love you. We look to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.